All right, welcome to Radio Trivia Podcast Edition. This is episode 45, and with us we have Jonathan Metz. Hi. And uh, I'm sure the skiing is better in Colorado than it was in Nagano. Listen. I didn't go today. I'm, I might go tomorrow. Oh. I'm a little worried because I just got back from the holiday, um, and uh, <clears throat> I'm out of shape. So. Oh, yeah. Um, I was a little, almost afraid to go this weekend just because uh, my legs are made of jelly, as is my stomach right now, and uh, I'm not really sure I could, I could stand up out there. But uh, well, no, actually, I, I just bought some. I got some new mittens for Christmas that I'm really excited to try out. I like mittens better than gloves. They really? just, they're a lot more comfortable for me. Yeah, but but the funny thing is, it's really hard to find mittens in men's sizes. I mean, mm. it, mittens aren't aren't exclusively for women but i think they're more commonly worn by women whereas guys usually prefer gloves and so if you go even to like a ski store where they have tons of selection it's hard to find mittens in a size big enough for my hands and um my parents i don't know where they found it probably on the internet but they got me some huge mittens that are going to be really nice they're way better than the ones i had before cool and i got like a gator to go around my neck yeah so i'm excited well, I tried snowboarding, and uh, oh, really? A lot. Yeah. Was that your first time ever? Uh, I tried like for half a day two years ago, but this time was less painful. I didn't fall down quite as much, That's and good. I wasn't hopping around as much. So it was okay. I'm, I'm thinking about trying it at least one day, probably only one day uh, this season. Be prepared uh, to be humbled. A... <laughs> I, I am. <laughs> um, I mean, I as you can tell, I'm prepared to be humbled on skis, and I've been That's skiing true. for over two years now and by the way just for our listeners oh are we, are we still doing a show here we're not just having a conversation but uh for the listeners who may not know typ is an excellent skier he's been skiing for many 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 years and he kicks my ass um so that just kind of goes to show you that there's not a whole lot of skill transference between skiing and snowboarding i think they're really quite different it's a different set of muscles it's a different way of balancing yourself mm-hmm. uh and now I, I skied poorly this time too, just because I I'm out of shape and and the snow was kind of crummy, so it didn't help. So anyway, you're right. We are doing a show here. It's radio trivia, not not <laughs> not skiing snow sports with uh, TYP. So uh, let's get started here. You know the drill: game, songs, trivia questions. Uh, let's just get started. Yay.
All right. Why why must you torment me so? I know this game, but I I I, I can't get it. It's like right there. I mean, I've played the crap out of this game, whatever it is, because I know that music. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's why I like choosing games for radio trivia. <laughs> it makes it all worthwhile. Oh. oh, by the way, maybe we should say right now that, that you did all the work this week. You chose all the games, and I chose only one of them. Yes. And and it's a game that I didn't even listen to it before I chose it, so I'm not totally confident that I'll even be able to figure out which one is the one I chose, <laughs> which would be embarrassing. Wah, wah, wah. But hopefully I can. All right, song two. Second song, and uh, yeah. got a question. If I can find it. All right, here we are. How do you unlock a song for this game's sound test?
All right, have you have you deduced the game yet, Johnny? Yeah, it's Wario Land Shake It. Yeah, it is, it is. And we were just talking about that. So, uh, Wario Land Shake It. Uh, I mentioned it last time when I was on Rate RFN, but uh, I did some more reading and I looked at more reviews since there, and I just felt like, I can't believe this game got like an average of like 78% on game rankings, and it really just goes to show that... It deserves a lot higher than that. That the numbers absolutely crazy. I mean, those weren't even my favorite songs that you just played. That they're, the, the crazy thing is the soundtrack is so big oh. and so diverse that it, it would be hard to choose three songs that are really representative. It is. It is. And um, I, I have a crap load of songs below it that I might or might not be able to use in the background. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> We need to talk I, as long as possible so we, we can include <laughs> more music yes. for people who are listening. Yeah, so, Wario uh, Land, uh, I actually have not purchased the game. Johnny lent it to me, and I played it and sent it back to him. So, Wario uh, uh, has been all over the world now. And um, it, it's really an amazing game. And I don't, I don't understand why some reviewers are, are hating on it so much. I don't know if it's just an extreme bias for for 3D action-y games or, or what. I don't but like, think it's that. I mean, people always lament the fact that there aren't enough 2D games out there, and yet this one comes along, and I think it will... Honestly, I think most opinions of it were established before it was even out, you know, before people had played it. And Nintendo really did not do a good job of, of um, allaying people spheres or explaining yeah. why the game is worth full price, why it's not a WiiWare title. I mean, once you play the game for an hour or two, it's totally obvious why it could never be on WiiWare. I mean, the the uh, the graphics and the sound could fill up 20 WiiWare games, you know. Yeah. So, um, it, it, it's such a big game. It's absolutely a full-length game if you really take the time to, uh, to try all the levels. Mm -hmm. So... But it's like, you know, I, you read, like, the one-up review, and it's like, this, like putting the Wario Land 4 for Game Boy Advance on a pedestal. I'm like, that's the worst Wario Land game there was. I mean, yeah. uh, I mean ignoring the ones that aren't technically Wario Land games, like Wario World and, and Master of Disguise. I mean, <laughs> Wario Advance had some quirkiness, but... And the things he... Like, what is it? Was it Parrish that reviewed it? I mean, yeah, I, I don't get I it. He complains about it on, on RFN, but I really don't like his review of this game. No, he makes it sound like there's no weaving or intricate level design. When it's far more intricate than what the crap there was on a game like Vance. And I, I just oh, don't, yeah. I don't get it. The level designs are really complicated in a lot of cases, and there are a lot of secrets that you may you may play through the game to, through the level two or three times before you discover certain things, certain paths through the level. Mm -hmm. And, and there's certain aspects, like some of the missions will force you to play the level a little differently because you, know, yeah. you don't want to fall in the water. So there's like this subtle little puzzle that is only a puzzle if you're trying to avoid the water, you know? So Exactly, yeah. Um, I, I think it's an, an incredible platform, really incredible. And, and the good news is I think maybe the word of mouth has started to spread about it. Cause I, I know that... Um, this is totally anecdotal, but I know Greg just picked it up um, over the holidays, and he really loves it. <clears throat> That's Greg Lay, our UK uh, correspondent. And then my friend Kevin also just bought it the other day. He had some uh, GameStop credit from trading in something else, and, and he saw it there, and he's like, eh, you know, I've heard Jonathan talk about this. And so he picked it up, and so far he really likes it too. I mean, everybody I know who's really played it and has given it a chance loves it. Uh, 
I, so, I just think not enough people even tried it. That's that's a real shame. So, so you think like you know I haven't read some of the really negative reviews for the game. Like Game Informer gave it like a, probably like a sixty percent or something, and, and I and I I haven't read it and I can't because I don't have access to the magazine. But I have to wonder what. You know, I understand if you're saying, well, you know, I don't want to pay full price for it. I can understand if you're saying, well, you know, there's nothing really new here. It's 2D platforming. But to say it's like a bad game, I just don't understand it. I don't understand where they're coming from. I, I just don't yeah. see it. It's not super innovative or anything. No, um, that's not an excuse and, to give And it I understand six. that because it's an old-fashioned kind of game, I understand why people don't feel comfortable paying full price for it, you know, even though I think it's full length and the mm -hmm. production values are outstanding. Um, I understand because it feels like an older kind of game um, that people would, would expect to pay a discount price. I mean, I, you know, I would be happy if every game in the world was suddenly half of the price that it was before. You know, yeah. I'm not going to it's, it's say otherwise, but I do think it is worth full price if you like 2D platformers. Yeah, and it's a, you know, it's a dangerous um, mentality to have, and I know we've discussed it either on RFN or on editorials or whatever, but... You know, price is not a determination of a recommendation or of... I'm sorry, I got that backwards. Um, price is an issue when you're trying to determine whether it's a good purchase or not, but it should not be reflected really in the quality score. The score is really a reflection of quality of the game. And, right. You know, like, you don't give, you know, Rock Band or, or Guitar Hero a, a six when it's a great game because it costs 200 bucks to get everything. Exactly. It, so why should you do that for Wario? I mean, I'm not sure that's why people were, were giving it, you know, reviews lower than what you and I think should should uh, think they should have. I, I think a lot of people haven't played it as thoroughly as they should before writing a review. Yeah, they probably awesome. blew through the levels in the simplest way possible, beat the end boss, and then said, "Okay, here we go," and they yeah. start writing. And there's really far more to it. Yeah, the main game is real short, so I'm going to give it a bad game. Yeah. Right, there's far, far, far more to it. Because the, all the other stuff, it's not like the second quest of Zelda. It's... I don't even know well, what it's, to Well, it's, like it's like a Wario Land game. And if you go back and play Wario Land 2, you can, depending on how you wind up playing through it, you can be done in like, you know, six levels, five levels. But then you go back so. and you realize that there's these branching paths and, and there are actually like ten different endings in the game. And then with Wario Land 3, it's kind of the same thing, where, where these, you can go back and go for more treasure. I mean, it's a Wario game. Well, and the other thing is that the, finding the secret levels, which end up becoming a massive part of the game and, and its longevity, um, is extremely difficult your first time through the game. Mm -hmm. Because they're hidden in totally random places where you would just have to you know, shake the remote and happen to see an exclamation point or something. But once you beat the final boss, it, it makes those, um, it, it adds a little sparkly thing so you yeah. can actually just visually see where they are. And when you go to a level, it'll tell you that there's a secret map there. So using those two things, it's pretty easy to go back and go to the levels where you know there's a secret one and find the map, and then now you can go to the new level. And sometimes the secret levels have maps inside of them, so there's another secret level that branches off of those. And those tend to be the ultra crazy. Yeah, ones. those are um, crazy. But so I don't know. Finding the map to me wasn't that that great. But I mean, uh, it seemed kind of trivial once you know where the, where the level, where which level it was in. But, sometimes they're hard to get to. But yeah, that's, that's true. Sometimes it's just yeah. usually they just have me shaking my head like, 
how would anyone find this without beating the game first? And yeah. Visual thing, because they're in totally weird places. Yeah, I wouldn't praise the the whole map finding thing, but but everything else is really clever. I mean, there's some there's some levels that are pretty crazy. I mean, uh, without uh, for anyone who hasn't played, I'm not going to give away what I'm thinking of, but there's some that really just they're very different from the rest of the game. I, I, that's sometimes they put the goal right at the beginning. Yeah, that's but what I was thinking. Then they make of. you. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's well, there there are a few like that, and they're really interesting because instead of doing a bunch of platforming, getting to the end, and then having to race back to the beginning, they just put the goal right there in front of you. But it's a one-way trip. So yeah. once you go past the goal, you have to take a completely different route back to the beginning, which ends up being the actual level. Mm -hmm. And you ha and basically you have a timer for the. Yeah, it's kind of like a Metroid it's, it's, escape. It's sequence. a lot more fun than it sounds. Yeah. Well, because <laughs> anyway, you're to find the answer to the question, to the bonus question, yeah. is um, you unlock a song for the soundtrack by completing all the bonus missions for a particular mm -hmm. level, and those are like the kind of the Xbox achievement style things. Yeah, I, I mean, I. That's where the longevity comes. If you're interested in challenging yourself for this stuff, then, then definitely, you know, it's fine to. Because if you're trying to go for a time attack for a challenge, for example, you'll probably have to find a new way through the level. And that, that involves, you know, making good use of the Wario's dash, uh, like high-speed dash through the zipper, or whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, the dashing is so interesting. I mean, it, at first it seems like a kind of a dumb mechanic, but the more you play, the more you start to appreciate how different it is from the normal gameplay, because mm -hmm. he can jump extremely far when he's dashing, much farther than normal. Um, but of course, if you want to like do some platforming, it's really difficult because he's moving so fast. So you start having to like ch just change direction a lot just to kind of stay within yeah. one area. You can duck underneath really small tunnels that you can't get through otherwise. Right, slide. Um, you can break through certain kinds of blocks that you can't do. You can um, like jump on ropes and go extra far and things like that. Um, you can skim over water. Mm -hmm. So some of the uh, challenges that involve not getting wet, basically, yeah. the way you the way you beat them is you jump in a, a dash machine and then you dash over the water um, instead of swimming through it. Mm -hmm. um, there's just some super interesting stuff um, in there, and a lot of it's very subtle. And I understand why people wouldn't appreciate it if they play through the game as quickly as possible to do a review, but. Um, wish they had. Yep. Well, uh, we probably should move on to the next game, but uh, <laughs> yeah. we, we both obviously love Wario Land Shake It. Uh, I, I don't know if it's my favorite Wario Land game, but uh, it's certainly you know, a, a very good entry in the series. Um, it is mine, and it's also probably my favorite Wii game of 2008. Uh, well, Smash Brothers came out. It, Smash Brothers isn't as clever as Wario uh, Land Shake It, but it's a very good game. But um, Yeah, I just haven't touched it in ages. Well, I haven't really I'm sure either, I... but that's because I don't have anyone to play it with, not because I don't like it. Yeah, same for me. That's the thing. It's a multiplayer game, and a lot of my friends around here don't really play stuff like that. So well, At least you have you friends know. around there. I don't really have anyone to play games with here, which is <laughs> kind of pathetic. Anyway, enough of that. Let's move on to the next game.
Bizarro. Yeah. And and that's about all you can describe it with, uh, yeah? Bizarro? Well, it's it's just kind of uh, oppressive. <laughs> oppressive. All right. <laughs> There was a clue. There was a clue? In that oh. music. Really? Okay, excellent. Uh, which system was this game later ported to with minor changes?
Okay, what do you think this game is, Shawnee? Well, the second song sounded like Castlevania music to me, but the third one definitely didn't. So really, I have no idea. Well, I didn't think you were going to get this, but you probably won't be surprised when I tell you this is Mega Turrican. Um, you you played Super Turrican, I think, on Virtual Console. Yeah, I mean, that definitely sounds like Genesis music. Yeah, this is a Mega Turrican, which is the Genesis Turrican game, which is also on Virtual Console. And uh, I think the third song is actually in, in Super Turrican as well. Um, yeah, well, I, I didn't play it extensively. I mean, I played <laughs> Super Turrican a fair bit because I downloaded it right. um, on, on PC. And it's pretty good. It's um, kind of brutal, isn't it? It's pretty difficult. I would say it's 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 similar to Contra. I heard some um, some comparisons to Metroid when it, when it first came out. I was like, whoa, really? It's it's nothing like Metroid. It, 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 I mean, it, it's more like Contra, except that the levels kind of are very non-linear, so they span. You know, you can move horizontally and vertically, and mm-hmm. you kind of just have to find a path to the end. But there's other than that, there's no exploration. There's, it's not like you need to know the world. It's not like you ever have to go back to a place you were before. It's all very, you know, straightforward. Um, it's just that the maps are kind of big and more sprawling than something in Contra. Are the controls anything but, like Metroid, or at least on the Super Nintendo no, one? The, the controls are more like Contra 3. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, the uh, Mega Drive game, or Genesis game, Mega Turrican, um, I don't know if it came out before or after Super Turrican, but uh, uh, the weird thing about it was that uh, it was kind of left without a publisher. Factor 5 just kind of didn't find a publisher right away, so uh, they worked with another company or some other people external to their team to port it to the Amiga. And the Amiga version actually wound up coming out first, even though this was originally for the Genesis. Uh, I, I don't really understand the story there, but... Uh, eventually it came out on Genesis, obviously, and now Virtual Console, and I, I guess Factor 5 must own the rights to these games if, if they're coming out on Virtual Console. Uh, right. They had a, they had yeah, a different they, publisher they in every do. region, so or they had a different distributor, at least, in every region. So, it's, I don't know, it's kind of weird uh, history that I, I don't... When was the last Turrican game made? I keep thinking, well, all these Turrican games are coming out, there's got to be a new one at some point coming out, right? <laughs> Yeah. No, I think the last one that they made was Super Turrican 2, okay. which is, I'm pretty sure that's also on Virtual Console. I think all three of those are, um, and uh, I don't know what, what if any, major differences there are, because I haven't played the second. Mm-hmm. I haven't played Mega either, but I think Super Turrican and Super Turrican 2 were mostly, more or less, considered the best in the series, but Mega Turrican is also considered to be very good. Uh, whereas the very original one, uh, which I think was only for Amiga, mm. just plain Turrican, yeah. is kind of the worst. I, th- I think that's kind of the, the consensus. But the only one I've played is the first Super. Well, that's ideally how you want to see a series evolve, get better, not like fall. So like, exactly. I guess yeah. that's kind of a good thing. But they definitely have good music, um, as you would kind of expect from Factor Five. They've always had really good music in their games. Well, yeah. And they're very technically uh, savvy, so they, they were clearly right. pushing the limits of the Genesis, and the Super Nintendo one sounds really good, too. Uh, they and the couldn't really make good. it sound not like a Genesis game, though, could they? No. 
<laughs> it's very bassy, very kind of techno sounding. That's just, I mean, I, that was the. It Genesis, works for, so. but it works for G German developers though. See, the techno. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and it fits the game too. But yeah, I mean, I, that's really what the Genesis sound hardware was good at, and so I think most composers were smart enough to just take advantage of that. But that's kind of why a lot of Genesis games sort of have that same style. It's just kind of playing to the strengths of the system. Yeah. I, th I think the Super Nintendo chip had, it was a Sony chip actually, mm -hmm. and I, I think it had a little more potential for variety of, of music. Um, generally, I can't really identify Super Nintendo music as being like, oh my god, that sounds so Super Nintendo. Yeah, well, some of the early Super Nintendo MIDI instruments are very recognizable, but certainly later in the, in the, uh, the system's life, there were a lot more variety in the samples. So, Mega Turrican! Who knows, maybe Factor 5 will make a new uh, WiiWare Turrican game. Uh, well, they were they were working on one for uh, for GameCube at one time that was called Tornado, but it, it was spelled Thor. Yeah. Thornado. Yeah. And, um... That was considered a Turrican that, game? I, I think it was sort of a spiritual follow-up. Okay. Um, it wasn't called Turrican, obviously, but they, they kind of hinted that it was sort of a sort of based on the same ideas, and mm. they never even showed a screenshot of it. They were working on it for a while, and they just canceled it. Mm. Okay, let's move on to the third game, which was requested by my, uh, actually by my old roommate from college, Steve. Wow. Give you my word, this is not a Turrican game. <laughs> Thank you. 
Question. Which, which vehicle in this game has two missile launchers? Ah, 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 yes. was decidedly different from the first two. Yeah, well, this game has crazy music. <laughs> what game is it? It's Blast Core. Yes, it is. Blast Corps. Core for the N64. It rhymes with N64. It's Corpse. Oh, I thought. No, it's Core. Blast Core. Is it, did it have a different name in different regions? No, it's pronounced Core, like Marine Corps. Ah. Uh... 
okay. Yes. Mm-hmm. I it's like, like corks. Colonel. It's spelled <laughs> differently than it sounds. <laughs> Damn you, Navy! I know. Except Colonel is actually Army and, uh, and the Air Force, not Navy. Oh, now that part, I, I can never keep up with which ones are in which branch, but yeah. <laughs> it's uh, core. It's Marine Corps, not Marine Corps. And it's Blast Corps. And it's one of my favorite N64 games. It's so awesome. And it's mind-blowing. They've never done a sequel. They've never re-released it for DS or even Virtual Console and, or X, Xbox Live Arcade. I mean, they know people love it. It's a bonkers I, concept. I, I mean, I, I read the game abstract. It's totally today. crazy. Like, I what love the it. hell? Oh, yeah, we got this like nuclear thing that's going to go off, so let's drive through all the cities and blow up so that we can get through and, and safely dismantle it by destroying cities. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so so the basic idea in this game, right, is is uh, you're supposed to clear a path for this truck, right? And by any means necessary. Um, yeah, but that ends up being, in some sense, a very small part of the game. Because is that like the you only play through the level... You only really need to play through the level once like that. And then you can go back to it later and clear out everything else and try to destroy every single building and find every single little RDU, which is a radiation detection unit, which might as well be a coin in a Mario game because they're just scattered everywhere in typical rare fashion. Um, And then there are levels where there is no truck and all you do is try to blow up everything within a certain time limit. And then there are levels where you just do a race just do like three laps around a thing. It's a lot like RC Pro-Am, which of course is a, another rare game from the bygone era. Um, the races are really fun, actually, I, I think. Um, there's so much wacky stuff in the game. It's it, There's so much variety in this game. Um, and the music is awesome, obviously. I mean, it, you don't hear too many video game songs with jaw harp. No. I mean, that's just great. Uh, it kind of reminded me of like a parody of a Banjo Kazooie song, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> well, that game came out before Banjo Kazooie. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. That was like a, I think Blast Corps was maybe within the first year of the N64. It was it was out definitely before Banjo Kazooie. Hmm. Yeah, it was out sometime in '97, I think. So was it Rare's first Nintendo 64 game? I believe so. Wow. I think it was before GoldenEye. Yeah, I think it was before all the rest. It was a totally awesome game. Completely fantastic. If you ever see it in a store for like 10 bucks, just grab it because it's that's the only version there is, at least so far. And uh, if you've never played it before, you're going to have a blast. It's totally awesome. The the I would say the first three-fourths of the game are pathetically easy, and then all of a sudden it gets crazy difficult and there's this one level that just gives me makes me break out in hives it's so difficult and frustrating and it's this level where the truck is moving along a train track and there are buildings on either side of the track and you can only cross the track through these tunnels that go underneath it at certain points mm-hmm. and the only vehicle that you have a choice of using is the backlash which is the truck that destroys things by by power sliding and backing up into them because it's re- like it's like really heavy on the back but if you just ram into the front it won't do any good um, which is by far the, the most difficult vehicle to use well 
Um, and even if you think you're pretty good at using it, this level will still break you. I mean, it is brutal. And I might have beaten this level once or twice ever. It is just so difficult. And anybody who's played the game will probably know exactly what I'm talking about. So then what's the vehicle with, uh, with two missile launchers on it? Um, that's the, the um, motorcycle. Uh-huh. Um, I don't remember the name of it, but it's the only motorcycle. Yeah, the the Ballista is the name, but yeah, it's the Ballista. motorcycle. That's yeah. right. It's a really weird little little bike. Yeah. And th- I remember there's one level in particular where the best way to beat it or to, or to get like a really high score is to park the Ballista in a very strange place and shoot missiles at, at this boat. Um, I think you're trying to cause a certain amount of damage within a certain time, and the best way to do it is to park the ballista on this weird little cliff so that you get the angle right and you can shoot your missiles at this boat and sink it, and if you can, you get it causes tons and tons of money worth of damage, and, uh, and it helps you with the challenge. But the ballista's pretty hard to drive, because it, it controls like sort of like a motorcycle, but in RC Pro-Am. Right, so like right is right that relative to the... To the uh... Yeah, yeah, it's pretty crazy. So the entire game is like a top-down isometric, is that right? Pretty much. I mean, you can you can zoom the camera in and out different ways, and, and I think usually you can rotate the camera, but it's like rotating at 90 degrees kind of stuff. So generally, it's played like a top-down 2D game. Yeah. I mean, in a lot of ways, it is kind of a sequel to RC Pro-Am, but it's much bigger in scope. There's a lot more to do than just that. I mean, the, probably my favorite is the J-Bomb, which is this big orange robot suit that um, that you climb into, and it lets you fly around the levels and do like a butt stomp from the air to destroy buildings. So all you have to do is fly over the building you want to destroy and then push the button, and it does a little flip and crashes down with you. It does a ton of damage. It's really fun. Sounds like we're needs to make another game in this style. I mean, uh, they did RC Pro Am, they did uh, the, the Cobra Triangle, which I know was mentioned not so long ago. In, in this game, it sounds like they need to bring back their kind of overhead uh, action game. I don't know what you describe it as, you know, make an Xbox Live Arcade game or something. I mean, yeah, at the very least, I mean, why is Rare still making DS games when they could be making Xbox Live Arcade games? I mean, not that I'm really complaining, because they've made a couple of good DS games. Uh, some that I'm not so interested in also. But, you know, now that they're owned by Microsoft, you'd think Microsoft would be like, Hey guys, we have this other platform that you could do similar things on, and, you know, we'd make more money if you did. But... Well... Managerial decisions are odd sometimes. Who can say what happens within Rare? I mean, really. It's a crazy company. Anyway, thanks to Steve for picking that stuff out. Yeah. It's, I, lo- I love Blastcore. I love Blastcore music. love everything about it. Excellent. So, let's go on to the next game, which is not Blastcore, unfortunately. <laughs> Nor is it Blastcorp, says I so idiotically uh, didn't know how to pronounce it's a common mistake. Don't feel bad about it. A lot of people do it. I probably did it when I first heard about it. It's cool. Hey, 
Let's tap. Yay. Here's your question to help you out. Yeah. What is your rival's name? Thoughts? 
Sounds like an NES game. That's about the best I've got. <laughs> well, it's a Game Boy game, not an NES game. Oh, okay. It's made by Hudson. Uh, and the composer did Do Re Mi, as well as the later Mario Party games. Ooh. Um, there was a Mylan Secret Castle for Game Boy, but I'm pretty sure that's not it. <laughs> so, my guess would be one of the Kirby games, just because Kirby has a rival, um, Meta Knight. But... No, you're not going to get this. Uh, this is the <laughs> Pokemon trading card game. Uh, you know, Evan Birchfield loves this game. Really? I didn't know yeah, that. He loves it. <laughs> or at least he, I remember that he did a long time ago. Really? Well, it, it's kind of like a, a meta Pokemon game. It's really weird. I mean, it, I think it's presented a, a lot like the original Pokemon game where you're you know, out to you know, be the best Pokemon trading card game master. And uh, you go to different exactly. clubs and... It, and the reading about it reminded me a little bit of like uh, the Mario Golf Game Boy Color game, where it's like, yeah, it's a golf game, but it's like there's all this other RPG-ish stuff thrown in there. It's like, yeah, this is a trading card game, and we're simulating the Pokemon trading card game, but there's also a lot of this like random RPG side story thrown in as well. And maybe it's kind of a similar presentation. So you have a rival, just like with like Pokemon Blue and, and Red. And I guess all the other Pokemon games, I stopped after Silver. <laughs> and um, and you're that's like you know you're you're collecting cards just like you would collect Pokemon. And you're building decks, and uh, and it, I imagine it was pretty popular at the time. Um, sure. Uh, and I don't know how faithful it was to the card game. I have no idea. Um, you know, actually, I had an interesting conversation about Pokemon with some friends of mine the other day. Um, they had never played it before. They didn't know that much about it. But I was I was mentioning that you know I got the first Pokemon game, Pokemon Blue, when it first came out in America, and I was 16. Mm -hmm. And they you know they were saying that you know they had little brothers and sisters who played it, whatever. And I was like, yeah, I know I was kind of too old by most people's standards, but I enjoyed the video game. You know, yeah. I didn't get into the anime or the um, trading card or the the movies or whatever. But um, they they asked me, oh, is there a video game? You know, <laughs> no, I think they knew there was a video game, but they they were asking if the video game, if the card game came first or what. Yeah. And it, I I kind of told them the a, a brief version of the story about how you know it, it, it was in Japan for like two years before they brought it to America, and all of the franchise stuff, all the crazy uh, crossover marketing stuff like the card game and the, mm -hmm. the TV show. That all came after the video game, and they, that was all an attempt, basically, to make the game more popular. And um, by the time Nintendo of America brought it here to the West, um, they they realized the power of the things like the TV show and the card game, so they launched it all at the same time, right. this giant push. So for a lot of Americans, Pokemon is not very clearly a video game mm -hmm. series. It's more of like a just this big media thing and it has a video game but a lot of people don't realize that the video game came first and yeah. all the other stuff was based on it because in America it was pretty pretty much simultaneous mm -hmm. so it's created this situation where people really don't don't know the true history of it at all um, 
but uh, yeah. So, so in your ex- and then and then it gets more complicated because they made a video game out of the card game. <laughs> yes, yes, the ultimate confusion. But uh, I know you haven't played this card game, but uh, in general, do you do you think uh, video game versions of card games work? I know you you love Magic Online, but is that kind of the exception to the rule? From um, I've heard that the, the that this the Pokemon trading card game, and you know I think there was a version for Game Boy Color. This is well. Game Boy Color. Yeah, it was a dual cartridge. One of those oh, okay. like like but hybrid. Wasn't cartridge. there a sequel though? Or no, there was Card Hero, but that never left Japan. Mm. That was separate. It was like a, it was a, it was like a different card game, and it never existed in physical form. It was purely a video game based on like a fictional card game. Yeah, see, that's it wasn't a, related that's to Pokemon, but I heard it was really good. Really? Because like um, like Yu-Gi-Oh, I, it's like I always get the impression like they kind of make up the rules as they go along, but maybe that's just well, the TV show. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Yu-Gi-Oh! was a card game first, I think. And then they made the anime, and then they made the video game versions of it. And because it originated as a card game, it's really, really complicated. Mm. And it's kind of difficult to distill down into a video game version. That's why if you read any of the multiple reviews on our website yeah. of all these different Yu-Gi-Oh! games that they used to release, basically they all boil down to, this is so hard and complicated that unless you already know how to play it in, in every intricacy, um, you're not going to enjoy this at all. Because mm-hmm. they pretty much, they did a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh! games where they didn't even include a tutorial. So they don't even <laughs> attempt to teach you how to play the oh, game. God. You better know. Um, but I've heard Pokemon Trading Card um, for, uh, for Game Boy is actually really good. It's like a very nicely contained version. Um, it has, you know, hundreds of cards. Mm-hmm. It's Pretty much every card that was available at the time in physical form is in the game, so it was a much better value to just buy the video game version if you if you really wanted to get all of those. And um, and Evan seemed to really like the way that you know it would kind of start you with a deck, and you were always excited to play against the computer opponents because you would win some of their cards, mm-hmm. and then you can change your deck and change your abilities. And in some sense, it's similar to um, the way it works in normal Pokemon, except instead of winning new monsters from battling them in the wild, you actually win new monsters in, in, in the form of cards from battling other trainers. Yeah. So it kind of breaks that sacred rule of Pokemon that you can't take another trainer's monsters, whereas I think in the card game, you do take some of his cards. And so it ha- it's this anti-system where you anti up a card and you, know, you can win their card and and it has so many cards built into the cartridge that you can pretty much get all of them if you play a long time. And that always sounded pretty good to me. I mean, the problem, the reason I never really played the Pokemon card game, I, I mean, I've never played it. I might have watched it played once and picked up on some of the rules, but it's very much a simplified version of Magic yeah. the It was designed by the same people, um, this guy named Richard Garfield. They at least co-designed the Pokemon game. He did design the original Magic the Gathering, and it was produced by the same company. And the rules are similar, but Pokemon is quite a bit uh, less sophisticated, mm-hmm. I guess. Sure. Um, and, and as you would expect, it's made for children. I mean, Magic the Gathering is very complex. It's not like Yu-Gi-Oh. They don't, you know, <laughs> they don't add complete new rule sets and stuff like that. <laughs> but um, the, the rules do change as new cards are released, you know, every few months. And so, if you... I, I think the, the 
the good thing about Magic is the way they explain effects on the cards themselves make it fairly easy to jump in even if you haven't played for a few years. Come back to it and, you know, take a few minutes to kind of get up to speed on what the current environment is with the new cards. Mm -hmm. But it, it's nothing so drastic that you're like, oh my god, I don't even know what's happening anymore. Yeah. Usually it's fairly easy to catch up. Um, I've heard that's not the case with Yu-Gi-Oh, but I've never played it. Anyway, I'm not going to sit here and defend Magic <laughs> any more than I already have. So the Pokemon trading card game for Game Boy Color, they, has the Pokemon trading card game kind of died down in, in popularity? Um, I'm sure that it has. I mean, there's, they wouldn't be making... They'd make another game if, if it were popular. They haven't, so... Did they ever do like a... Um, like a... Like a Click something click. There were like little um, plastic figurines of characters, and they had kind of a dial at the bottom that clicked when you moved it around. It had some numbers on it. And you could sort of play a tabletop game, almost like Warhammer, with with these things. And as they lost hit points or whatever, you would turn the dial so you could keep up with it. I know they were doing those for like X Men for a while, and there were a few different licensed properties, but. I I thought for a while there was a Pokemon version of it, too. I don't know, I don't know. what you're talking about at all, sir. Okay. <laughs> Maybe some head. people will who, who are listening. But, I, yeah, I would expect that the trading card game has died down a little bit. Even, I mean, the video games seem to be the part of Pokemon that really has endured over the years. Because the TV show and the, you know, the movies haven't... They stopped releasing the movies in the American theaters after the first two or three. And now they're straight to DVD. And um, the TV show has been, I think its influence has been eclipsed by so many uh, imitators, you mm -hmm. know, and successors. Um, it definitely changed the face of, uh, of American cartoon television. I mean, like, if you, if you turn on Saturday morning cartoons now, it's all Japanese. Or it's all made to look yes. Japanese, <laughs> yes. even if it's not. Yes. Um, Whereas I think back in the 80s when you and I were growing up, we had kind of a healthy mix. I mean, we had Transformers, we had a couple Japanese things, and then we had like Thundercats, which sort of in some ways looked Japanese, but it wasn't, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, we had He-Man, you know, I mean, we had some truly Western cartoons, and then we had the Japanese ones, and back then I didn't even know the difference, sure. but now it's all Japanese. I mean, it is totally overloaded now. I can't even watch Saturday morning cartoons anymore. I can't follow any of them. Mm -hmm. They don't even make sense. Too, to too much jargon and, and, and whatever. Oh, you have to dude. be too invested There's in it. There's so much jargon in those shows. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Pokemon! <laughs> uh, well, Man, Pokemon's we still big over here. I see Pokemon all over the place still in, in Japan. I mean, yeah. I was at McDonald's and they have Pokemon on the cup. I mean, so... <laughs> You should save some of those, but I just get the feeling that the, the the overall cultural influence has died down a lot in America, but the video games themselves are still extremely popular. Even though they aren't doing anything with them. Yeah, I mean, they're still always the same thing, but it's just one of those things people give it up for a while, and then a new game comes out, and they succumb to it once again. But I know I had, um, I had Pokemon Diamond last year, and after about three months, I traded it in to make myself stop playing it. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was never that into it. I played I played them as RPGs and stuff when I reached the end, so I never really played Pokemon. See, I never could much. really get to the end. Like, I find the final four to be really difficult, 
Um, I always get to them, and then I go do some other stuff, and that's usually where I kind of stop. Hmm. Okay, well, enough Pokemon. Let's, let's go into the last game. You picked this one, so yeah. I'm not going to talk to you. <laughs> I love it.
right. So here's your question, which you wrote. Here's my question. Yes. Here's your question. What secret ability from another game series can you learn? least our listeners are suspecting a Mega Man game after yeah. that. Um, but you may be thinking, that doesn't sound like NES music. Hmm. What well, it's not. It it's Mega Man X. That's right. It's Mega Man X. But Could uh, have been Mega Man 7. But yeah, no. we already used it's it. Mega Man X. Um, yeah. You know, I, they did an impressive job of retaining the 8-bit feel in, in these songs. I agree. And it's funny because I, I used Mega Man Extreme in the live version of Radio Trivia, and uh, what the hell is Mega Man Extreme? Mega Man Extreme is a Game Boy Color kind of remix of Mega Man X and I think X2. And so wow. like, uh, I don't know if I've ever heard of that. Oh yeah, it came out for Game Boy Color. I think there was a second one, Mega Man Extreme 2, and <laughs> uh, which I guess is like three and four. I don't know, but um. But yeah, so it borrows a lot of the songs and levels, and and I, I think it was pretty well received at the time, um, although it was a little bit limited by the Game Boy Color. And uh, there's definitely that third song in Mega Man Extreme, and it doesn't sound all that different, to be frank. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, Mega Man Extreme, it's, it's really peculiar. Like Game Boy Color had a lot of weird stuff like that. It was almost like a, I guess maybe like a zero mission for Mega Man X. I don't know. Probably not that much of a reimagining, but um, Mega Man X is uh, first in the new, the second Mega Man series, right? Uh, and uh, how many Mega Man Xs are there now? Like seven, eight? I know it went on forever there, on the PlayStation. Yeah, there there are seven. Um, the seventh one is on PS2. Really? And I have not played it. There's yeah. also Mega Man X Command Mission which is the RPG for PS2 and GameCube, which is not very good. Uh, um, it's too bad. I was really excited when that was first announced, but it didn't turn out all that great. So technically Mega Man ZX is different, right? That's right, yeah. Well, Mega Man Zero was the first sequel series to the Mega Man X series. Because, um, well, anyway. Dear Lord. <laughs> what have well, you done, see, Zero was a Zero is a character in the, in the Mega Man X right. games. Um, I think you can play as him 
a little bit in Mega Man X3, and then starting in Mega Man X4, I think he's pretty much a selectable character, and maybe 4 and 5, maybe a little in 6 too. I mean, he serves different purposes in each game, but you could play as him more and more as the series went on, and finally in with Mega Man Zero for GBA, they gave him his own series. Because he's a very cool character. I mean, he's fun to play as. And then they have ZX just to confuse us a little more, which is well, it's neither, right? It's like a, it's almost like a Kirby-style absorbing other abilities, right? Yeah, sort of. Well, I mean, you could say that Mega Man's always been about that, you know. Well, the but idea even is more so. You beat these bosses and you absorb their abilities. But, yeah, I mean, ZX is more concept was sort of to combine elements of the Mega Man X and the Mega Man Zero series together. Um, in practice, it doesn't really feel like that. It feels like something sort of different, but I, I played ZX2, this is for DS, and I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, I played it at not... E3. I remembered it being enjoyable. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's as good as the Mega Man Zero games, and I don't think any of those are as good as the Mega Man X games, because Mega Man X 1 through 3 are absolutely fantastic. Um, I mean, they're all a little different. The, 3 is definitely the most complicated um, of those. By that time, you've got like like two levels of Mega Buster upgrades so that you can you can charge up each arm cannon independently. Oh my god. It's pretty wild. Yeah, it's pretty and then if you if you shoot the first one and then you shoot the second one right after, the second one flies faster than the first one and if it catches up with the first one, they combine to create this big shock wave that'll kill like most bosses in two hits. It I mean it takes a long time to charge up, but it, it's really impressive when you do it. But uh, Mega Man X the first one is a lot simpler than that. But um, mm -hmm. it's still really good. They added so many things that really revolutionized the way Mega Man is played that when I went back and played Mega Man 7 on Super Nintendo and then Mega Man 8 for PlayStation 1, they feel really kind of antiquated in comparison because they don't have things like dashing and climbing on walls and yeah. you know, things like that. So, yeah, Mega Man X is some good stuff, man. I love that, I love that series. The, uh, the collection for GameCube and PS2 is really good. Mega Man X Collection uh -huh. is much better than the Mega Man Anniversary Collection, which came out earlier. Yeah, I, I rented that, and I was it reminded me that I just didn't like Mega Man that much, was all it did. <laughs> well, you know, I think the X series is still difficult, but I think it's probably a little less difficult than the, than the original Mega Man series. And it's also... Um, kind of easier to get into because you have things like grabbing onto walls so that it, it's much less likely that you're just going to fall into a pit, mm. for instance. You have um, sub-tanks instead of energy tanks, which are reusable, so you don't have to feel, you know, once you find a sub-tank, you can fill it all the way up, Go and ahead. you know, when you're fighting a boss, you, you get low on energy, you can use that, fill up your energy energy bar, and then on the next level, you can refill that thing. It's... it's uh, to me, it's a much more forgiving series than, than the original Mega Man series because of some refinements like that. I mean, it's still difficult, it's still very fast-paced, but they, they give you a lot of features that kind of help you out, you know? Mm -hmm. Okay, fair enough. Well, uh, that was Mega Man X, that was our last game. And uh, send in your requests, I, I need more requests, I live off of them. So, <laughs> um, 
please send them in, typ at nintendoworldreport.com or use the form linked on the website. Remember to change your URL in your, your podcast reader if you haven't already because we've changed URLs. Uh, you can find the new URL on the on the main Nintendo World Report uh, podcast page. Yeah, and the listeners could also go to the uh, iTunes page for this podcast and leave a review or just they click on the stars. You know, give us five stars or less, I guess, if you want to. If you You're think mean. we talk too much, which we probably do. Yeah, uh, so with that, uh, thanks for listening. Thank you for, for hosting with me. Yeah. And uh, what does that mean? I just, it's easy for me to do it. I don't really have to do any work. Okay. All right. Well, anyway, uh, bye, everyone. <laughs> Bye-bye. Mario Land Shake It is copyright 2008 Nintendo. Mega Turkin is copyright 1994 Factor 5. Glass Corpse is copyright 1997 Nintendo Rare. Pokemon Trading Card Game is copyright 1998 Nintendo Creatures Inc. Game Freak. Mega Man X is copyright 1994 Capcom. Yeah, let's uh, let's clap. Let's clap and let's clap. Choose your clapping game.